rescuer has come and he is on an all-out kingdom invasion and this is the heartbeat to what this book tucked into the back of the New Testament called Mark is all about. This gospel, according to Mark, is a fast-paced retelling of the invasion of God's kingdom into this world. Within the New Testament, you will find four biographies, four stories of Jesus. Mark focuses on the battle scenes. Far more left, he's far less interested in the teachings of Jesus. Far more, he focuses on Jesus' actions and authorities about how God's kingdom is coming, invading into this world that we live to restore the things that God had always intended. The Gospel of Mark builds on a greater story. And it begins all the way in Genesis where we see God creating this world as the way he intended and wanted it to be. You might call it perfect. The Old Testament would call it very good. The Hebrews would use the word shalom to describe it. This word that that unfolds God's Fullness and wholeness and blessing, his prosperity and presence, and the goodness and peace that he seeks to bring. And in the beginning, God had a world the way of shalom as he intended it to be. But there's other forces at work in this world, and I don't have to tell you that. Forces at work that have been at work since the time of God's garden in the beginning, seeking to subvert and usurp God's kingdom and corrupt it to something it was never intended to be. And so from the beginning, we see these other powers, dark powers at work in this world, seeking to destroy God's dream and corrupt the people that he loves and lead them far away from the kingdom that God continued to seek to bring. But Mark tells us that Jesus is the king. He's God's king. God's king over God's kingdom. And he knows what God is seeking to bring. He knows what the kingdom of God is supposed to be like. A kingdom of goodness and grace, of forgiveness and mercy. A kingdom of fullness and life and vitality. And the shalom that God intended from the beginning. And he knows what doesn't belong in God's kingdom. And so Mark recounts a story of conflict of Jesus coming into this world against the forces of darkness that seek to hold God's people in their grip and in their tyranny. We see Jesus coming face to face with demons and they flee and they shriek at his presence and the presence of those he sends in his name. We see disease reverse itself and flee before the king with no power left to take hold or corrupt God's people in suffering, in misery. We see the chaos of creation respond as storms are stilled, as food is multiplied. 
But make no mistake, as Jesus advances every step of the way, bringing God's kingdom more and more, the kingdom of darkness does not take it laying down. And step by step, it continues to seek to subvert, to revolt, and corrupt the very thing that Jesus is seeking to bring. Read the pages of Mark, and you'll see the people who Jesus knows best taking offense at him. You'll see his family mocking him and rejecting him. You'll see the religious people that should be leading the way, seeking his death. You'll see the story of hardening of heart, of constant confusion and misunderstanding of the power of sin. You'll see the story unfold of the puppet kings of this tyrant dark kingdom doing battle against the people in the kingdom of God, even killing the very prophets going out in Jesus' name. And then in one of the most surprising moves of all, we see this ongoing path of destruction towards Jesus' life's end find its completion as Jesus gives his own life on behalf of God and the kingdom. The king giving his life for the people. For the salvation of them from the powers of darkness and the forgiveness of their sins. And it proves to be darkness, death, Now, because even when it looks strongest with Jesus on a cross, we find that the powers of darkness are still powerless against the power of Jesus the King. And three days later, he rises from the dead, coming back to life, ushering in God's new age, advancing his kingdom in ways never dreamed with an invitation to all to be a part of what he brings. This is the gospel of Mark. The story of the invasion of the kingdom of God in Jesus and the invitation to the people of this world to turn from whatever allegiances they might have to the powers of darkness and come into God's grace and forgiveness and kingdom instead, and for centuries. People have been responding to that message and continuing to amplify the end of the dark kingdom and heralding the kingdom of God that Jesus brings. All this year, we're using this gospel, this story, this this account of the invasion as a window into trying to better understand what God's kingdom is all about because make no mistake, the kingdom of God is central to the Bible. It is central to Jesus. It is central to the Christian faith. It's what Jesus calls us to pray about, think about, yearn for, interact with God on the basis of how does he teach to pray, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come. What is this kingdom? We're calling for. Mark's gospel gives us a window. And this past November, we began walking through this gospel according to Mark. 
looking at the first five chapters this February, we continue the story. Looking at the next five chapters, beginning with chapter six. So as you hear the account of God's invasion into this world unfold, may the power of his kingdom capture your imagination. May the struggle against darkness become all too real. And may the hope and salvation Jesus offers in the midst of that bring you to allegiance in his kingdom as well. The gospel, according to Mark. Jesus left there, and he went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he went into the synagogue and began to teach, and many who heard him were amazed. Isn't this the carpenter's son? They asked. Isn't this Mary's son? Isn't he the brother of Jacob and Joseph and Simon and Judas? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. So Jesus said to them, only in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his own house is a prophet without honor. And he could not do many miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And Jesus was amazed at their lack of faith. Then he went around teaching from village to village and he gathered the twelve to him and he sent them out by twos with authority to cast out evil spirits. And these are the instructions he gave them. Take nothing for the journey. Take nothing with you except a staff. No bread. No bag. No money tucked inside your belt. Wear sandals, but not an extra tunic. And when you come to a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you, or listen to you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave as a testimony against them. So they went out and began to preach that people should repent. They cast out many demons and they anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. Now, King Herod heard about this because Jesus' name had already become well-known. And some were saying, 
He's John the Baptist. Raised from the dead. That's why miraculous powers are at work in him, while others said he's Elijah. And others claimed he's a prophet. Like one of the prophets from long ago. But when Herod heard this, he said, this is John, who I beheaded, who's been raised from the dead. For Herod himself had given orders to have John arrested and had him bound and thrown into prison. He did this because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, who he married. And John had been saying, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Herodias nursed a grudge against John and and wanted to kill him. But she was not able to because Herod feared John and protected him because he knew him to be a righteous and holy man. When, when, When Herod heard John, he didn't get it. He, he was greatly puzzled, but he liked to listen to him. Finally, the opportune time came. On his birthday, Herod held a banquet for his high officials and military commanders, and and the leading men of Galilee. And when Herodias' daughter came in and danced for them, well, it pleased Herod and his dinner guests. So Herod said to her, Ask me for whatever you want, and I will give it to you. He promised her on an oath saying, whatever you ask for, I will give it to you up to half my kingdom. So the girl went and asked her mother what she should ask for. The head of John the Baptist, she answered. So at once the girl hurried back to the king and said to him, I want you to bring me right now the head of John the Baptist on a platter. Now the king, he was shaken by this. To say he was greatly distressed does not even encapsulate it. But because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he didn't want to refuse her. So immediately, he gave the order to the executioner to get John's head. The man went at once, beheaded John in prison and brought John's head on a platter. He presented it to her and she gave it to her mother. And when they heard of this, John's disciples came and took his body 
and laid it in the tomb. Now the twelve had gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and seen. And then because so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat. A travesty, I know. Jesus said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place. Get some rest. So they went away with him by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But when they were leaving, the people recognized them and began to run on foot from all over the region, and they got there ahead of them. So when Jesus landed, he saw a large crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like a sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. Now it was late in the day, So the disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said. And it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the nearby countryside and towns to buy themselves something to eat. You know what Jesus said to them? You give them something to eat. And they replied to him, are are you kidding me? That would take eight months of a man's wages. Do you really want us to spend that kind of money on bread to buy them something to eat? (sighs) How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and find out. So they did. They went, and when they found out, they came back to Jesus. And they said, five. And two fish. So Jesus instructed the disciples to have the people sit in groups on the green grass. And so they gathered in groups of hundreds and fifties. Then taking the five loaves and the two fish... Looking up to heaven, he gave thanks. And he broke the loaves. And he gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the fish among them as well. And everyone ate. And was satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. And the number of men who had eaten was 5,000. Immediately, Jesus sent the disciples on ahead of them, commanded them to get in a boat and go on 
ahead of him while he dismissed the crowd. So after leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. And when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the lake. And Jesus saw his disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. So about the fourth watch of the night, he decides he wants to go out to them. And so around that time, he goes out to them walking on the lake. And just as he was about to pass them by walking on the lake, they saw him and they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and they were terrified. But immediately, Jesus said to them, take courage. No, it's me. Don't be afraid. And he got into the boat and the wind died down. And they were blown away. Because they didn't understand about the loaves. I mean, their hearts were hardened. And when they crossed over and came to Gennesaret, they anchored there. And when Jesus landed and got out of the boat, the people immediately, they recognized him. And they came running from all over, bringing their sick on mats from all the towns to wherever they heard Jesus went. They came and put their sick from the villages, the towns, and the countrysides, putting them in the marketplaces, and they begged Jesus. They begged Jesus to let them touch his cloak. And everyone who touched him was healed. This is the gospel according to Mark. 